we're going to enter into a time of, of prayer. We have, we're involved in 21 days of prayer. If you've been going across the street to Faith Cafe every night for an hour and a half, we just sit in the presence of God and ask Him to speak to us and give directions to us. There's nothing fancy. I guess the candles are a little fancy. We have some candles here. And we sit and listen. And uh, Friday night, it was, we, we had Gregorian chants going for an hour and a half. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. But it was good for me. And the Lord spoke to me and encouraged. And I would encourage you to be a part of that. If you only do one night, that's fine. If you're going to do all five nights, wonderful. Allow God to speak to you. It's just a quiet time and a time in which uh, God will reveal to you some things that you need to hear. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. But specifically within that area of prayer, we're going to talk about healing. And at the end of the service, we're going to encourage all of our people who desire healing in any area of your life, whether it be your marriage, your family, uh, personal issues with your, with your body, things coming up, whatever it may be, you'll come down. The elders will be here, and they're going to pray for you and with you. And we look forward to that time. So prepare yourself for that at the end. We're going to sing a couple songs as we do that. We finish up the service. Uh, today, I've asked Robin to sing a special song um, that my wife actually introduced me to just before I left uh, to go to Nigeria. And while I was in Nigeria, I I was struggling a bit with looking around me and seeing so much pain and suffering, uh, so much brokenness, so much struggle. And I I turned to uh, Jerry. He's he's one of the pastors there who's got this marvelous singing voice who's just full of love and peace and joy and excitement. He's always excited. And, And you saw him on a little video, if you saw that from Nigeria, and I said, you know, Jerry, um, I, just, I just don't get it. Um, I see this joy. I see this wonderful thing. And yet in the midst of it, I see so much pain. And he said, I know, Pastor, I don't understand it either, but God's doing wondrous things in the midst of this. And then I turned on my uh, iPod and I was listening. And this was a song uh, that the Lord spoke to me in. We're going to take our offering now, guys, while she sings this. So get ready. And... She sings about the simple reality, and that is what we found in our life and what I found in my life, that it's in the midst of pain and struggle and suffering that I find myself most close and most aware of the presence and the power of God. And that's one of those odd things about this upside-down kingdom that God calls us to live in, where he says, you only gain through giving, you know, you only live through dying. And oftentimes, more often than not, you only truly grow through pain. Ah. We've been walking through the book of Colossians. I encourage you to turn there. And today we're going to come to the very last chapter, chapter 4, where we deal with a final statement from Paul Concerning the question of prayer itself. And he introduces us to this powerful concept that prayer is the primary position of every Christian. And it's the only place in which we will gain true change in our life. That if we want to be smultified, as we talk about, if we want to be changed, then we must spend time in the presence of God, wrestling and struggling and listening and learning and growing uh, both personally with God and corporately uh, with God. We've talked about the simple fact that Paul talks about in chapter 1, 
that the primary issue of Christianity is about what Christ has done. It's not about anything that we can do. And then he begins to break down the argument that if we follow a new set of rules, that somehow we'll become closer to God and he'll love us more. And he reminds us that in any true relationship, love is not dependent upon what you do. It's dependent upon who you are. And God has called us as his heirs, as his sons and daughters. And it's no longer an issue of how well we do, but it's an issue of how he desperately wants us to do well. He moves from there into chapter 3, and he talks about the journey, this smultification process by which we are being changed as we go down the river of life. And we find ourselves interacting with God through a variety of trials and struggles and joys and excitements and all these different things. And as we do that, each time that we have this epiphany, this time of boom, something falls off us, a dead piece of us goes away, and new life comes within us. And we find ourselves becoming more and more like the one who called us. And it's not about us being special. It's about God's wondrous desire to help us experience who we were always intended to be. Following that, he moves into chapter 4. And here, what he really talks about is he talks about people. And he frames out to us this picture of himself and a Epaphras and all the various people that are involved with him. And he reminds the Colossian Christians that he's sending them back to them, especially Epaphras, who is their leader. And he's affirming him in his leadership, specifically by saying, Epaphras is wrestling for you in prayer constantly, day and night. And he's asking that you might be watchful and alert so that you might mature and grow in the complete will of God, understanding what his desires are for your life and then responding to those desires so that you can fulfill all that God has for you and all that God intends for others. In this last chapter, the focus is entirely on the question and the issue of prayer itself. And I often found myself in my theological uh, questionings going, you know, Lord, why should I even pray? You know everything that is and everything that will be and everything that's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's all about you. You put it all together. Why should I even bother? Now, these are obviously my negative days. Okay. <laughs> and I said, you know, Father, what is this all about? And the God began to speak to me a bit. And he said, well, one reason, Lee, you need to pray is because you need to practice my presence so that you might recognize that I'm with you. And I still remember one day when the Lord literally left me. His presence left me. And there was nothing more frightening <laughs> because that was the first time since I'd become a Christian some, oh, six months before that he'd ever left me. And he removed his presence from me. And I was driving in the car. <laughs> and I instantly went, what happened? And I pulled over to the side of the road. <laughs> it was on the freeway. Could have got a ticket. <laughs> and I got out of my car and I ran down into the into this area that was as open area this was actually up by Ukiah and uh, and I cried out to God and said God I can't I can't live without your presence I can't I can't imagine never again can I do this I can't live 
And the Lord spoke to me. And he said something like this. I remember exactly because it was some almost 40 years ago. He said, uh, now do you know why you need to pray? <laughs> I, from that day on, I pray every day. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very clear lesson uh, that God spoke to me. And uh, he's never left me since. I've never experienced a, a leaving of the presence of God since that day. Uh, I wake up every morning and this delightful awareness that God is with me and loving me and caring for me. And every night I go to sleep going, wow, Lord, you are so uh, amazing. Even in the midst of struggles and difficulties, your presence is great. And so that's why I think he says this, uh, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Now, Paul was a marvelous uh, kind of bottom line guy. But I think James does a better job for us even in this particular area. And so what I want to do is I want us to take that section of Colossians. We're going to move now. I want you to move to the book of James. And we're going to deal with James and his clarification to us of the, the power of prayer and the purpose of prayer and the understanding of how we need to respond in prayer. And that's found in James uh, chapter 5. And we're going to throw it up here on the screen uh, as you guys begin to turn there in your Bibles. And I hope today that as a result of our time spent together, you get a good handle on prayer. And then we're going to make sure, even if I have to quit early, and that's quite a statement, okay? That's kind of, as you know, uh, that we have time to come together and just pray for one another and ask God to, to minister to us and to cleanse some of you from sin because it's residing in your life and it's hindering you greatly. And we want to help you rid that out of your life. Uh, maybe even some demonic oppression that you're struggling with. We want to rid that out of your life, and that takes place when we pray for you. God does that. It's not anything weird. It's quite normal uh, in, in a different supernatural way. <laughs> uh, and then we are uh, going to pray for those of you that are, that are sick, uh, that God will bring healing to you. And all those things will take place today. All right. So remember that at the very end. Prepare yourself to come down uh, for prayer with us. In James, it says this. I want you to read along with me, okay? Can you do that? Let's do this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I want you to notice that when he moves to this issue of confession your sins, he's speaking directly to the issue of coming to the elders and the leaders and confessing so they might pray for you and take care of you. It is not primarily intended, although it's not against anything, this uh, public confession idea. There's nothing wrong with public confession, but that's not what James is speaking to. He's speaking to the area of coming to the leaders, letting them pray for you, that you might gain forgiveness and cleansing, healing in your life. And that's his intention here. That's his intention and his desire uh, for us to follow. 
So when we talk about this thing here, I guess the biggest thing that I see in it is that do we really want to be healed? How many of you would like to be healed in your life? Okay, and some of you didn't raise your hand, and that's you need to be healed. Okay? Okay? Because uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you guys are you know, it's like, oops. Because we all want to be whole, and that's all the word healing actually means. It means to be whole. It's the concept that, that the Hebrews would refer to when they talk about shalom. It was peace to you didn't mean, as we talked about here in saying peace to you, just the idea that you might be okay, but it was a picture of complete wholeness and healing in your life so that you're living life daily with a sense of the presence and the power of God and being energized by him and directed by him and ministering to others around you and able to do that because God has made you whole. It's not anything about you being wonderful or incredible. It's about God making you whole, and therefore, you have the opportunity. It's a picture of a person who's standing on top of a pit, and down below are a group of people who are down in the pit, and you're up above, and you have a rope that God has given to you, and he says, throw the rope down. Help them up, and that's all it is. You're not any more special than anybody in the pit. You just have to be fortunate enough to be on the top. Pull them up, help them up, encourage them so they also can become one of the people who throw the rope down and pull them back up. And that's the picture of healing. When we are whole, it's so that we might be able to be in the process of helping others to become whole as well. Confess for one another and pray for each other, is what he said. Pray for each other. And we say simply, Lord, I want to be healed. Say that with me, will you? Lord, I want to be healed. Boy, it's such a needed area in our life because we're constantly falling into areas of sickness and different areas of our life. I want to start with verse 16 where he says, you know, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish much. You could circle so that and healed, so that and healed. Because the first question that I deal with is, well, when will I be healed? And he says, you'll be healed when you're in a situation in which you need healing. You come to another person, you ask them to pray for you. And as a result of that prayer is that God will bring healing into your life. And you need to seek out those who are righteous or mature or capable men and women within the church congregation. One of the biggest mistakes we make when we seek healing is we seek people that are right next to us or in the same problems we have. They need healing too. They don't need you to hold on to them and make both of you go down. It's a picture of an ineffective swimmer grabbing another ineffective swimmer and saying, rescue me. They're just trying to stay afloat. You need to be rescued by the Olympic swimmer. You need to get Eric. If I'm out swimming, I'm in hurt, I'm calling for Eric. Eric, save me. He'll be there, take care of me, bring me in and say, Pastor Lee, you're old. You can't be doing this. I'll say, I forgot. Because he's a marvelous swimmer. He's a lifeguard. He's a mature swimmer. The same is true within the Christian faith. There are mature Christians who are more than able to bring you back to shore. Go to them. Ask them for prayer. Leaders, mature people within the church, Those are the ones you need to go to. And as you confess your sins to them and recognize your need to repent, they'll help you see the areas that you need to repent in, how you need to change so that you won't be right back in here. Can I give you a quick story? I'm a fairly good skier. I've been considered an expert skier. 
And I was skiing um, up in, in one particular area. I don't, I'm not bragging. It just happens to be. I skied a lot when I grew up. And I was skiing in a particular area, and, I, and I'm going down at what's called a, it's called a black diamond area. And so I, while I'm skiing down here, there's a, there's a young lady off to the side, and she's snow plowing, and she's crying, and she's falling. And I went, oh, my goodness. What I really thought was I paid good money to come up here and ski. I'm going to have to take care of this dimwit and take her all the way down the mountain because that's what God wants me to do. Okay. Okay, so much for my fun, exciting, exhilarating. Yeah, you know, instead it's going to be, okay, go this way, okay, go that way. So I got next to her, and I, she was so bad, I literally did a reverse snowplow and brought her all the way down the hill. Got all the way down to the bottom of the hill, and it took about a half hour. Finally got all the way to the bottom, and I turned to her in my most fatherly tone and said, you know, um, you need to pay more attention to those dots. You're a beginner skier. And it gives you some special dots you can fall through to make sure you don't go down a place that says like that back diamond. She goes, basically said this, stick it. Really? Really? And she snow plowed off. (laughs) Now, sometimes when we come to confess our sins and you come to a mature Christian and you say, I want to be healed. I need direction. And they say, okay, I'll pray for you that God will heal you right now. And he heals you. And he says, now these are some steps you need to take to make sure that you don't fall right back into that same spot. And you know what you do? Yeah, you know what you do. Many of you go, no, I'm going to be nice, okay? I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that. And you go right back to the steps that got you to the place that you're at there. Prayer of an effective man, a righteous man, a righteous woman, is incredibly powerful to bring healing to your life. But after that, you must take the prescription or you will be right back in that spot one more time. You see, we're healed when we're made whole, when the dis-ease becomes ease or peace. And this healing involves at least three different areas of our life. One is physical. One is mental, and the third one is spiritual. And those are the three areas, the PMS, okay, if you like that. I like it because it reminds me, oh, I got PMS, which, which part, Lord? And you see, it's mentally. You just aren't thinking right. Oh, Lord, I... And, or it's spiritual. You're, you're trying to get something from a physical world that's not available. You need to get this. It's right here. Here's the issue. Or it's physical. Take some aspirin, you ding-dong. You know? Come on, you're Okay. It's just because you moved yesterday and you're not as young as you used to be. Face it. Uh, just take some aspirin. That's all you do. Okay, okay, okay. Now, the word translated in the New Testament literally means to be whole. So in Romans uh, chapters 5 through 7, it talks about the simple fact that we all have a, a, a problem. We have a root problem. And the root problem is that we were born as uh, naturally sinners. We had a sin nature, which encouraged us and caused us and brought us to sin. So we literally enjoyed sinning. It was just part of our nature is what we'd say. And then Paul says, when you became a new person, that old sin nature was cut off. You were born again, is the way Jesus tried to tell us. And you became a brand new person. However, you still have this flesh. And this flesh continues to respond to the same things that your sin nature used to respond to. 
and thinks that somehow if I do these things, it will still be good for me. It continues to confound you, and you fall into that problem. See, sin is the fruit of our sin nature that we act out what we're feeling within. And he says, you no longer feel that way. There's no longer desire for you to sin, but you slip into this because your flesh deceives you in relationship to it. He says, therefore, you need to be healed on a consistent, regular basis. You need to be made whole. You need to be brought into place so that you can get cleansing and direction and guidance, and you continue to be made whole. You smultify step by step by step by step. Now, once this new smultification process goes on and our spirit nature wants to assert itself, we have to constantly decide, what am I going to do here? The world that's around me that I live within says, this is how you gain. And God says, no, this is how you gain. And we're, and we're struggling with, well, which one should I do? Because you still have to make the decision. You need to be mentally made whole. And that's very, very difficult because we tend to think, no, 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 I need to watch this or I need to do this. And that makes me feel better. Even though every time we do it, afterwards we go, why did I do that? That didn't work. Well, it's because our flesh encouraged us and we listened to it rather than responding to our spirit nature that's now within us. And so we're involved in this simple process of healing physically, mentally, and spiritually. And that continues on until literally the day that our body dies, goes away, and we inherit a new body that no longer has a love of the flesh. And that'll be remarkable. And we look forward to that day. But until that day, you have to constantly deal with these healing of your diseases in your physical, mental, and spiritual life. The dis-ease that's there because it's not functioning as it should function. God heals our minds, oftentimes uh, with counselors, with Christian spiritual counselors. Help us to understand how to think correctly, how to think and function in such a way that it's good. Heals our bodies uh, with doctors, pretty much the church has given over the function of, of bodily areas to the doctors because they're doing a really good job. God has really set that up, and they're doing a very, very good job. So when my body is ill, I usually go to a doctor around here, and he gives me some medication and helps it function correctly, and that's great. God brings healing through that process or medication that he provides me for. And then spiritually, we go to those around us who are mature Christians so they can help us deal with the sickness within our spirit and bring healing in that particular area. You see, counselors can help, but only the counselor can heal. Don't ever think that you will be healed by going to a counselor. You will not. A counselor will give you some good insights and ideas, and they can help you. They cannot heal you. It won't take place. Only God can heal you. Only the Holy Spirit can heal you. And oftentimes, you have to be removed of certain things in your life that you don't even realize are there without a mature Christian to help understand it in prayer with you and talk with you. And they discover, oh, there's an area of sin, lack of forgiveness, bitterness that has to be taken out. And until you take that out, there'll be a root within you that will continue to bring destruction in your life. Okay, so that's why he says, hey, if you want to be healed, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and then you'll gain healing. This isn't mystical. It's just it's normal. It's natural. It's what should be taking place in our life as Christians. It's a natural Christian uh, process. Now, um, so the intent of healing in the New Testament is to bring us back under the umbrella of God. Okay, bring us back into that place where we are living under the shade of God. 
where we're living in this wonderful place where God is ministering and teaching us. And when we follow God's prescription, then his kingdom enters this kingdom, and we have sparks begin to fly all over the place. It's very difficult. You'll find anytime that begins to happen, there's a lot of sparks flying, a lot of difficulty. Whoa, what, what is that? Why did that happen? Why did this go on? Well, usually it's going on because the kingdom of God is entering into the kingdom of this world, and it causes difficulty. You saw the extreme difficulty with Jesus himself put on the cross, crucified. And he says, hey, they did that to me. You should expect similar responses. I'm always amazed with people, and they tell me, well, you know, that person shouldn't have. I said, aren't they? They're not a Christian, are they? Well, no. I said, why would you expect anything but that? I expect if Christians oftentimes that are sick, I, uh, why would I expect them to act so, all that God? What I'm amazed is all the non-Christians that act so well. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. They are so amazing. This is a good person. They respond, well, I'm amazed at that. Because I hadn't experienced that in my life before I came to know Christ. So the normal process of healing takes place through the journey, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. As God continues to mature us and helps us to grow, just as our physical body matures in the same way. Right? Um, it responds to these different hidden places of PMS in our life. And oftentimes we need to, on a regular basis, go to an elder or leader who can pray for us and over you. And help us to understand what it is that God wants to do uh, within us and how he wants to do within us. Um, I guess uh, sometimes we want a direct line to God. We want to say, Lord, I, I want to have a direct line to you. And God says, you know, first of all, you need to come to somebody who has a perspective that you don't have. Share with them about your struggle in the areas that you're sinning with. And they can help you understand why this continues to be a problem in your life. They can heal you from that. And start you down the path of complete wholeness in your life. Um, this is pretty heavy. I know that. This is difficult stuff going on. And we're going to go through these next few parts here fairly quickly. But when we talk about how does or when does the healing begin, uh, that's kind of the next step in the process that we need to be involved in. That when we are uh, recognizing God's work and power in our life, and we're in trouble, then we need to be involved in prayer. As he says, any one of you in trouble, then you should pray. Uh, we're having 21 days of prayer. It's an hour and a half every night. I encourage you to be part of that. And some of you will be very, very difficult. You go, I've never sat quietly before God for an hour and a half. That should tell you something about yourself. should tell you something about yourself. That's a problem. You, you need to exercise that area in your life. I would encourage you to come out. All you have to do is just sit there for an hour and a half and let God speak to you. And he will. But it'll be difficult because we're not used to being quiet. So I always want this direct line to God and say, God, I just want to hear from you right now. Okay, let's have a little fun. Watch this clip. I, I have to admit, sometimes I feel that way. I feel like I, I keep getting these I, I'm saying, but Lord, you don't understand. You, you're not getting this. I can't quite get through. And this is what James is speaking to. He's speaking to this issue and he's saying, look, God desires to speak to you. God desires to listen to you and God desires to give guidance and direction to you. And that's why he says, is any of you in trouble? What should you do when you're in trouble? Pray. Simple. He says, if anyone's in trouble, pray. This is a personal focus. He says, first and foremost, if you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, sing. So he says, whenever we're in trouble, the first thing we need to do, not the last thing, the first thing we need to do, Lord, I'm in trouble. Can you say that? Lord, I'm in trouble. It's just, that's my prayer sometimes. Lord, I'm in trouble. 
I don't know how I got here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's, but I need your help desperately. He says, pray, ask God for direction. He will provide it. It's personal prayer. In Colossians, he said, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Uh, Sometimes we treat prayer like flossing. We do it because if we don't, something bad will happen. Isn't it? The the cavities will come in and get us. I'm going, prayer should be this wonderful opportunity to interact with God and allow him to speak to us in the midst of our struggles. When we're struggling, he says, pray. Pray and ask God to do something special. Nothing deadens our spiritual passion more than carrying around secret sins. Many of you here today, you're carrying around a secret sin. It's a sin of lying or of lust. It's a sin of laziness. Whatever it may be, and you're holding on to it, and you think nobody knows. Guess what? Most people already know. That's the saddest thing. They already know. You're the only one that thinks it's hidden. And you need to bring it out into light and allow God put it to death. When this happens, when you find yourself coming to God and asking Him forgiveness and direction and guidance, suddenly there's a renewal of your passion, a renewal of excitement with God, and there's an awareness of how He wants to work in you. Um, God often, in the midst of our prayers, He answers it with a messenger. A person, a pastor, a song. You know, like the song we, you heard here, that God spoke to me through a song. A vision, a dream, a scripture, even a movie. God speaks to me many, many times in movies. I'm, I'm going, whoa, the Lord speaks to me. I go, this is incredible. Look at that. Wow, I'm so, I, wow, this is so cool. You know, how many of you could give testimonies about something? How many of you have, have God has spoken to you through a movie? How many of you here? Great. How many of you got to spoken to a person? Hey, through a pastor. Better be more of those. Okay. <laughs> okay. You get an idea. So God speaks to us in these varieties of ways with a variety of people. My favorite testimony. I want to share with you. It's a true, it's a true story. And this gal, I'll call her Michelle. That's not a real name, but that's that's the name I give her. Michelle. She's in the bedroom one night, late night. She walks in, looks at her child, and she realizes she's sweating. She looks at. She's She's in fever. She said she's running like 102, 103 fever. And she goes, oh, my goodness. Picks the child up, calls the doctor, says, bring her to the hospital right away. So he picks the child up, runs out of the car, puts her in the car seat, okay, buckles her in. Then realizes she's forgotten her purse, runs away from the car, goes back into the house, grabs her purse, comes out, and realizes she's locked her car with the keys in it. And she's going, what am I going to do? She calls her girlfriend. Her girlfriend says, get a hanger, a coat hanger. We all know that, right? Get the coat hanger out, jam it through the thing, and try and open it up. She says, okay. So she gets out a coat hanger. She goes there, and she's trying to open up the door. Doesn't have a clue. She says, God, help me. I desperately need to bring somebody to help me. Just then, this great, big, burly guy on a motorcycle drives up and stops and looks over at her. She's thinking, oh, no. He stops, gets off the bike, walks over to her, grabs the hanger out of her hand, walks over the door, Pulls it, pops it up, hands her back the hanger, and starts to walk off. And she says, turns to him and says, thank you so much. So I prayed to God that he would send me somebody. I said, please, Lord, send me a good man. He said, I'm not a good man. I just got out of prison. She said, hallelujah, he sent me a professional. (laughs) 
God answers our prayers in so many amazing... You've got to talk to people and say, Whoa, what happened to you? And these stories about, Whoa, the Lord did this and the Lord did that. We have all these amazing, amazing testimonies of what God has done and how He's worked to us. If you're in trouble, if you need peace, pray. Ask God to speak to you personally. That's where we start. I start personally. I say, Lord, speak to me. Bring someone to share with me. Put it all together. Do what only you can do. And then he goes on to say, otherwise, if you need somebody, if, if you're really happy about stuff, then you need to sing a song. I'm going to ask the band to come up. They're going to come there. You need to be involved in singing songs of praise. One of the primary reasons that we come together for this picture of worship is so we have an opportunity to sing to God in praise and glorification of what he has done in our lives, how he has done it, who has put it all together. And in the midst of these songs... I hope you get them. I get them all the time. You get a God moment. And there's these chills go up and down your back. And you just kind of go, whoa. And the Lord speaks to you clearly, without condition. And he says, boy, do you understand how I'm going to take care of this situation you're in? And you find yourself in faith going, God's going to handle it. He's going to take care of this financial struggle. He's going to handle this emotional situation. He's going to provide me with the words to share with my friend that, that I've fallen away from. He's going to do what I can't do because God always seems to do it. So he says, hey, is anyone happy? Let them see songs of praise, personal praise, because we're satisfied with what God has done. Or as the psalmist says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and they'll fear, but then they'll put their trust in the Lord. Stay up here because they're going to lead us in a couple songs in just a minute, but be seated. We're going to have a chance in just a minute to come down, and the elders are going to come down. They're going to pray for you. But the last thing we want to look at is what James tells us as he, God has directed him. First, he's talked about personal prayer and praise. And then he goes on to say, is anyone still sick? The word here is weak. Then he should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. See, he's moving to community prayers and community praise, that if we're still struggling, then we need to get support from those around us. If we still find ourselves in the pit, then we need to ask somebody to throw down a rope. We need to be involved in the process by which we declare to God, we need your help, and we declare to God's people, we need your strength and your help as well. That's why Paul mentions Epaphras as a leader who's praying for them, struggling, wrestling in prayer, that they might become mature. And be able to stand strong and free in the will of God. In fact, in Romans 14.1, he says, Accept him whose faith is weak. And it's the same word translated sick here. He's not talking about sickness in the sense of, I am physically sick, although that could be part of it. It's the whole PMS syndrome. Physical, mental, spiritual. Is any of you sick in any of these areas? Then come forward Ask God to bring you healing. It's not that the elders have any special powers, but it is that the elders who are mature men in the Lord have the ability to pray for you as a righteous person before God and to recognize symptoms within you that as you continue to interact with them, they can help you to overcome in your life. Now, when it talks about oil and anoint them with oil, literally this was the primary way in which sickness was dealt with at this day and age. 
See, the anointing with oil, it really, today what we do is we have a little oil in the back. We may anoint you with it, something like that. But we do that more as a metaphorical picture. They were literally anointing these people. It, they would basically, it would be almost like giving them a massage is the idea. They would help them with oil to help them to feel better, the little salve for the thing. When I was a young boy growing up in a little place called Liberty, and we'd have a horse, and the horse would have a problem with its leg, and it would get, a, get uh, badly hurt. We would put a salve on, on the, it was a form of oil we put on it, and it would allow the he- leg to heal. And that is the picture of what he's saying here is that when they come forward, they would literally put some oil on them and pray that God would do something special with this. Now, we recognize that oil was probably not the best thing to do in certain areas of sickness now. So we have doctors who have advanced greatly in these areas. But unfortunately, it doesn't deal with our spiritual sickness. And sometimes your physical sickness is a direct result of spiritual sickness, of sin that you're allowing to continue in your life. And God wants to deal with that. So today, I'm going to encourage you guys. You're going to get about two more minutes at the most. And then I'm going to have you come down. And any of that say, boy, I need to be prayed for. You're going to come down, and the elder's going to come first, and they're going to be here that's going to lay hands on them and pray for you briefly. And you can kind of go back to your seat, and we'll finish up our time together as these guys uh, sing with us because that's what we can do about healing. We can ask for help. It says, in the prayer offered in faith, we'll heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well, that the sick, which means a weary or struggling person, will be restored and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who's committed sins will be forgiven. Now, I want you to notice that the prayer heals, but the Lord makes them whole. The Lord makes them whole. God's will is desires for everyone to become well, to become functional. We talk about being dysfunctional. He wants to be functional in your life. And we're not talking about always healing you. I, I want, want you to notice a few scriptures we had down there. We see Trophimus that Paul talks about, and he says, hey, you need to pray that he will be made well. I left him sick in Miletus. Now you go, hold it. Paul could heal anybody. Lay hands on them. They're healed. He healed dead people, brought them back to life. What happened to Miletus? What, what was he doing? The purpose of healing is to be meaningful. It's to change your life. Johnny Erickson. How many of you know Johnny Erickson? Johnny's this wondrous person who is crippled. And for the first six months, she said, God, you've got to heal me. You must heal me. And finally, she began to recognize that it was in her sickness that God was going to heal thousands and thousands of people if she was willing to let him. And she did, and he did. And the ministry that has taken place to her life because of her crippled condition primarily because of that, has been unbelievable, phenomenal, over the charts, supernatural. How many healed people do you know that do not have anywhere near that ability? Millions, billions. It's not about healing your body that's going to go away anyway. I I hate to tell you this, but we're all going to die. Y'all know that? We're all going to die? This body's gone. This body... Is not going to continue. It's going to die. And it's a good thing that it is because once it dies, I will inherit a brand new body that God said will be without the sin nature that continues to tear me down, where it no longer has a flesh that tears me apart. So as mature Christians, we realize there's meaningful suffering and there's meaningful healing. 
And God desires to bring meaning to all areas of your life. It's the wonderful story where Jesus heals 10 lepers. All of them are, are completely made new. Their bodies are literally made new. They were white. They were diseased. The disease is gone. They all leave. And one comes back. One comes back of the ten. And the one who comes back is a heathen, by the way. If you look at that closely, it's, even a, it's, it's not a Jewish person. He healed them all. This guy's not even a Jewish. And he comes back and he falls before Jesus' feet and says, Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done. And Jesus is where's the other nine. And then he says something interesting. He says this. Your faith has made you whole or well. The other nine never were. The other nine never were. I even wondered if perhaps one of the reasons that God doesn't do all kinds of miraculous healings within the church far more than he does is because kind of like one out of ten make it. I wonder if sometimes if we're not healed, we find ourselves running and jumping and praising ourselves and going about and doing whatever we wanted to do. Because as I look at the Old Testament, I see the wondrous, miraculous movement of God among the Jewish people there and constant refusal to respond to him in faith. So I encourage you today, if you need healing in any area of your life, whether it be physical, whether it's an area of struggle where you're just struggling mentally with some questions, some issues, whether there's a spiritual area in your life you need desperately need healing, you need to come to know who Jesus is in your life, then I would encourage you right now, as we do these couple songs, the elders are going to come down now. Why don't you come down now, elders? And they're going to just be up here in the front, and you guys come down, and I expect most of you to come down, by the way. Okay, to come down and just ask for prayer. We're going to pray for you and ask God to do that while we sing these couple songs. You're going to come down. We're going to pray for you. You're going to ask God's blessing and direction in your life. We'll share with you a little bit, and then you can go back to your seats, and uh, we'll finish up our time together about on time. All right? Hopefully you can be healed in the next 10 minutes. Good stuff. Father, thank you so much for your word that gives us direction, grants us understanding that provides us with an awareness that you are a God who heals. You are the great physician. And you deal with all these areas of our lives. So today we come to you as people with souls as well as bodies who need physical, mental, and spiritual help. And we come to each one of us and ask, Lord, reveal to us where we need healing. Make it clear. And then bring that healing in our life. We come before you humbly and ask for your help. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.